Okay, so today's reading is from Psalm 91, which can be found on page 593 of your church Bibles. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you, no disaster will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. Because he loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honour him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Thanks, Chantel. Welcome, I'm Colin. My welcome to everybody else's. Great to have you here on this cold morning. It's 1970. All the normal programming has gone off because the Cold War with Russia is not going well. And nuclear war is looking increasingly likely. It's time to start imagining the unimaginable. It's time to start planning for the worst. How creepy is that? 
pretty terrifying, hey? When I was, uh, oh, when was it? About 1985, I think it must have been 40 years after Hiroshima. Um, there was a series of, of shows on Telling UK commemorating the facts, and loads of just nuclear war seemed to be everywhere. And I was terrified. The, the scary thing about this, those um, films are, there's a load of them on YouTube if you want to terrify yourself. They were made for real um, and kept secret and were only to be shown if a nuclear war looked inevitable. But at the time, I remember being really scared and feeling really lucky that in our house, we had a cellar. And I started thinking about what cans of food I'd want to put in there and what games I'd hide in there, um, getting ready for the inevitable nuclear war and um, trying not to get killed by fallout. I was planning to take refuge, to take shelter. Uh, but we face more every day, but nonetheless... Um, uh, equally distressing threats, don't we? Things that cause us to seek shelter, to seek refuge, disease, illness, uh, unemployment and financial worries, uh, broken relationships. And if we don't have enough worries of our own to take refuge and shelter from, then there are our friends' worries or our parents or our children. So I wonder, let me ask you, where do you go to seek shelter. What's your, if you like, your refuge reflex? Where do you reflect, um, automatically go to seek refuge? Well, Psalm 91 that we just heard, read so well, um, seems to have the answer. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High, this is verse 1 and 2, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God in whom I trust. But if we're honest, every believer here today, every one of us who would describe ourselves as dwelling in God's shelter, of resting in his shadow, because we know we belong to Jesus, every one of us have gone through times of suffering, uh, times of terror, which would lead us to say, could lead us to say, oh, nice Psalm, Psalm 91. Shame it isn't true for me. Harm has overtaken me on occasion. And I could tell you about a time disaster did come very near. Well, this morning I want to show how this psalm really does tell the truth and give us hope for the shelter, for the refuge, the salvation that God provides and how we can live in light of that. So let's find out how. There's an outline in your leaflets, um, just to help you keep track. And our first section, we're going to look at verses 1 to 8, which tells us about the safety, the safety on offer. So the psalmist writing this is up from, from, the, from the beginning. There's no doubt what he's saying. God is our security. Um, now, it is a psalm. Now, I never like doing poetry at school, so I'm not going to go too deep into the whole poetry thing. But it's a psalm, so it's always worth looking in the psalms if there's any patterns of words in there um, to see how it's trying to make the point. Uh, have a look at verses 1 and 2. Um, we've got two sets of four nouns, four naming words. The first set I'm going to look at, the four named God. So we've got um, the Most High, Almighty, the Lord, and my God. So as well as those four names for God, we've got um, four refuge kind of nouns. So we've got shelter, 
shadow, refuge, fortress. So where can these security, refuge nouns be found? Dwelling with God. Resting in his shadow. Trusting in him. I don't know if you've ever been away on holiday. And you can be in the nicest place in the world. But if you feel, if you get crook, if you're feeling really sick, you just want to be at home, don't you? You just want to go home. And these verses are talking about someone who makes God their refuge reflex. God the one they turn to for security, for that feeling of being home. So what's your refuge reflex? When you feel threatened or up against it, where do you take refuge? Uh, People talk about taking refuge in a good book, don't they? Um, For others, it's a TV marathon. Um, For me, as a young man, it was uh, going out with my mates. As long as I felt I'd had my quota of partying, I thought everything was okay. Uh, For others, it's romance. But these things are only ever refuge temporarily. We watched a documentary the other day about um, whether a diet with no fat or no sugar was beneficial, and they did an experiment on the rats, okay? So they gave rats a diet of just sugar. And what they found was that the rats ate the right amount of calories and then kind of laid off. They sort of self-regulated. Same thing with fat. They gave them a diet of only fat, and same thing. The rats just ate the right calories and laid off after they'd had enough. But then they gave them cheesecake, and the rats just ate and ate and ate until they became obese and lethargic and died prematurely. About something to do with the hedonic center overrides the appetite center. Like, you just eat because you like it. I can't relate to that at all, but I'm not sure about you. Uh, we humans, uh, apparently not uniquely, because rats do it as well, we, we tend to find refuge and self-preservation in things that actually do us more harm than good. Now, I'm not knocking cheesecake. There are lots of good things that we can enjoy in life. Books are great. Movie marathons are great. They help us relax. They can bring us joy. And that's good. But the problem comes when we try to take refuge in them, when we turn to them for shelter, and when we dwell in them, when they become what we're about. God promises in this psalm, if you dwell in him, if you trust him, love him, call on him, you will be secure. So what follows on from here is um, a really comprehensive collection of anything that you might want to take refuge from. Um, Monday night, some pictures up here, I think, Kelly Thank you. Monday night, we had a prayer meeting next door. And you may remember last Monday night, it was over. We were absolutely bucketing it down. So this is us taking shelter. Dave in looking, and Carolyn looking there. Very specky there. This is us taking shelter from the rain uh, under the nice warm heaters next door. But this psalm promises that those who dwell in God's shelter will not fear things altogether more sinister than rain. Will not fear. Uh, Verse 3, there's the fowler's snare. That's just like uh, a net hunters would use to catch birds. And in the Bible is often associated with death. Uh, Deadly pestilence, verse 3. And then... um, 
another word pattern again. So notice in verses 5 and 6 that we get four nouns of things that threaten us. Things that those who dwell in the shelter of the Lord will not fear. So we've got terror, terror of the night. The arrow that flies by day, like physical threat. Pestilence that stalks in the darkness. Plague at midday. A sort of um, sickness and illness and um, idea. That kind of endless downward spiral of thought that keeps you awake at night and drains you. Those threats to your livelihood. That suffering so deep, it makes you question everything. You will not fear it. Uh, and notice these things alternate by day or night. It's the terror of the night, arrow by day, pestilence in the darkness, uh, plague at midday. Then in verse 13, we've got another four nouns of things that, that might threaten you. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent. And those are most likely referring to spiritual threats to us. Reminded of 1 Peter 5.8. Your enemy, the devil, prowls on like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Um, and Jesus said to his disciples, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the powers of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. In other words, all threats, all dangers, all horror, terror, all the evil and suffering which frustrate and terrify and embitter the rest of the world, you will not fear. Taking your refuge in God covers all of it. Um, We've just sold our house, and in preparation for that, we bought some new carpet, because it was a bit worse for wear. And in particular, there was one bit, a big stain, where one of our children had vomited. And we did our best to get rid of it, but there's this patch there. It was not good to look at. So I thought, well, we'll just try, ring the insurance company, see if this covers it. So the um, person on the phone said, uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure, I don't think so, but let's just read through your policy. So there's a flood, no, it wasn't a flood. There's a fire, no, it wasn't a fire. Um, she started giggling. A sudden, and a sudden and unexpected expulsion of liquid. So, well, it was definitely sudden and it was definitely unexpected. So, no, 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 it's more like a washing machine leaking or something like that. But the policy, our insurance policy, didn't cover as much as we hoped. But this psalm is giving us a holistic, like a, trying to get across to anything. Resting in God covers everything. You will not fear. But why not? Because you know that ultimately, God has got your back. God loves you and will not let you come to eternal harm. Verse 4. He will cover you with his feathers and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. That might remind you of words we heard in Isaiah a few weeks ago, Isaiah 40. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So simple trust in God is the strongest defense to whatever life might throw at you. You will not fear because you have great reason to endure and persevere. 
These terrible things we take refuge from cannot destroy us eternally. They cannot separate us from God. That worry that feels like it's consuming you will not, in reality, consume you. The illness that sickens you so much will not drag you from under God's wings. Those threats that feel that they will pierce your soul and destroy you will not penetrate God's faithfulness. So when we go through hard times or feel spiritually oppressed, those trusting in God can be sustained knowing they're under God's protection through those hard times. Through those hard times, we can enjoy God's supervision. So our second point, God's supervision. Because it would be very easy to read this psalm, wouldn't it, and say, okay, so if I trust in God, nothing will go wrong. I I won't suffer. Because that's what it says, right? I mean, look at verses 9 and 10. If you say, the Lord is my refuge, and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent. That sounds all right, doesn't it? I'd buy that inspirational poster from Kurong. Well, no, this psalm tells us how God protects us in our suffering, not from any suffering. Now, why do I say that? Well, firstly, if we look closely within the psalm itself, um, verse 1 promises rest, or rest from what? Uh, Verse 3, God will save you from the foulest snare. He will save you. He doesn't say you'll never experience it. Uh, Verse 4, his faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. A shield from what? If there's nothing bad is going to happen. Verse 5, you will not fear. uh, Suggesting that there is stuff going to happen that you might reasonably otherwise fear. Uh, Secondly, there's the context of this psalm. So Psalm 91-92 begin book 4 of of Psalms. Um, So this chunk of the book of Psalms has been gathered together, a carefully sequenced playlist or mixtape in old money, made for God's people in exile. See, they know that they know as God's chosen people, they were promised great blessings long ago. And they know for sure that they're not experiencing that. They've experienced terror, the arrows, the disease, pestilence, all of that. And they know why. Because they've chosen over and over to live outside of the shelter of God. We saw last week in Psalm 90, we're to number our days. We're to be conscious of our vulnerable, temporary nature. Psalm 91 then is written for people suffering. It's written to give comfort to those turning to God's shelter that their suffering is not the end of the story that God will ultimately rescue and thirdly if we look at the whole of the Bible the whole of scripture the Bible will just not let us come away with the idea that those trusting in God will never suffer look at what Jesus promised for those who follow him you will be betrayed even by parents brothers and sisters relatives and friends and they will put some of you to death everyone will hate you because of me now i haven't seen that poster in in kurong and i've not seen it shared very much on on facebook either we're promised persecution if we follow jesus 
When we're saved, we are a new creation. There's a genuine sense in which our resurrection has already begun. Uh, Our eternal life has already started. But we still live in a sinful, broken world, in sinful, broken bodies. And it's just naive to assume that we can be free of the consequences of sin for creation, for our relationships, for everything. Um, I knew no bloke who believed that Christians should never suffer disease. So I thought, well, that sounds a bit strange. So my mum, a faithful Christian woman, if you ever meet her, um, don't make a fuss. Don't tell me I'm telling you this because she'll kill me. But she's, she's got cancer. She's had cancer for 10 years. Um, right now she's having another course of chemotherapy. And it makes her feel rotten. So I, I said to this bloke, well, so why, why do you reckon my mum's got cancer then? Because she hasn't got enough faith, he said. I said, well, you've not met my mum. <laughs> what a load of rubbish. Nonsense, utter nonsense, completely unbiblical. Please hear me, yes, God can heal miraculously. Jesus showed us that. Yes, God is pleased to intervene directly and end his servant's adversity, sometimes. We saw in Psalm 90 last week, he's absolutely right to come to God in prayer for anything and ask him to end our suffering. You don't have to like it. But we should never presume to demand that God end our suffering. Because if our faith is dependent on God stopping anything bad happening to us in this life before we die or before Jesus returns, our faith will just shrivel up. But of course, somebody else has already badly misinterpreted this psalm, haven't they? Just after Jesus was baptised, We're told that the Holy Spirit sent him out into the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan. Uh, Unlike unlike unfaithful Israel, Jesus, the perfect Israelite, remained faithful to God. But at one point, Satan quotes this very psalm to Jesus. It's in Matthew 4. Then the devil took him, Jesus, to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. So Satan's pretty canny here, I suppose. If there was anyone we could say for sure rested in God's shelter, trusted in God perfectly, it's Jesus. Jesus probably could expect that God the Father would indeed rescue him from jumping off the top of the temple. But Jesus knew that this psalm wasn't about whether God can be tested, like one of those science lab rats, to see if he will keep his promises in exactly the way that we demand. Jesus knew that this psalm is telling us that God is trustworthy and God is powerful to protect us in and through any circumstance even circumstances which seem hopeless from our perspective. So, how should we think about the very real fact that bad things happen to good people? That Christians of great faith, the kind of of faith that we all aspire to, 
go through seemingly pointless terror and pestilence. A few examples of how to respond from the Bible. Uh, we can be like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, I want to get three dogs just so I can call them that. We could be like them. They're about to be thrown into a blazing furnace for insisting on taking their shelter and refuge in God. And they say this, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. In other words, God is God. He can save us if he wants us to. Or we can be like the Apostle Paul when he says to the Romans, and we know that in all things, all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And let's look again at that um, nice poster from Kurong that Jesus said. This time, look at the whole quote. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me but not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm and you will win life. How can this be? Put to death, but not a hair perishing. Well, it's because of the servant. Our third point, the servant in verses 14 to 16. So notice there's a change of voice in verse 14. It's now God's own voice that we hear. And talking about a third person, he And look at all the things that God promises he will do. I will rescue him. I will protect him. For he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. He's talking about his servant, Jesus. And Jesus gives us a really clear picture of what dwelling in shelter, dwelling in the shelter of the Most High, looks like in three things that he does in these two verses. Firstly, verse 14, he loves God. Everything about him is about loving and honoring God, um, seeking to bring God glory. Secondly, verse 14 again, he acknowledges God's name. Um, And if the week after next, Jamie's going to take us through John 17. It's an amazing, tremendous prayer of Jesus in John 17. But here's a sneak preview. Part of what Jesus says is, uh, from John 17, 6 and 7, I have revealed to you those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours. You gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know everything you have given me comes from you. Even Jesus, God the Son, co-eternal with the Father, fully God, acknowledges how great God the Father is. And thirdly, verse 15, he calls on God. He prays and God answers. He asks God for things. Uh, The mixers are looking at the Lord's Prayer today in the groups there. That's what that noise is, them looking at the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> but do you know what the Lord's Prayer is? It's all request. It's all asking God for stuff. Asking God to do what only God can do. 
Jesus experienced the terror of the night. He suffered not arrows, but nails. He was killed near midday in a moment so dark that it turned day to night. But God rescued him from death. Jesus called on him and he answered, delivering him from the grave and honoring him with the highest place in heaven and earth. Well, you might say, that's all right for Jesus, but what about me? What about us? Because this is true for Jesus, it's true for those trusting in him. The way to dwell in the shelter of the Most High is to trust and believe in Jesus. The way to shelter in the shadow of the Almighty is to trust and believe in Jesus. To save Jesus with all that you are in all circumstances, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. And when we do that, We enjoy the salvation Jesus enjoyed. We need not fear even the death that we deserve because of our rebellion against God. The Apostle Paul put it like this in Ephesians. He's led to the Ephesians. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. This is our hope. We need not fear snares, pestilence, terror or anything. Because none of it will stop us having a seat at God's family table with Jesus. What if this isn't you? What if God is not your refuge today? Well, you wouldn't be the first. Even God's chosen people in the Israelites repeatedly did their best to get out from under God's shadow. And then they shook their fist at him when they went through hard times. And when Jesus got to Jerusalem, God's people's capital city, he said this. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. You who kill the prophets and stone those who sent to you, how often I have longed to gather you, gather your children, as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, and you were not willing. This psalm of refuge, it's got the same message for all of us. Dwell in the shelter of the Most High by trusting in his son, Jesus. And... He will cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are our shelter, you are our refuge. Uh, Thank you that in Jesus we can have great confidence, and that we have... Um, great confidence to endure and persevere. Please help us to keep you as our refuge reflex, the one we turn to first.
Amen.